Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest is the food blogger behind The Foreign Fork, a project where she's cooking a meal from every country in the world. After backpacking to 15 countries in Europe and taking cooking classes in each one, Alexandria decided to take her project of cooking around the world home with her. She started her blog in 2018 and to date has cooked over 400 recipes from over 85 countries. The Foreign Fork has been featured in BuzzFeed, the Detroit News, and Elite Daily, and is the recipient of the Saver Blog Award for Most Groundbreaking Voice. Most importantly, Alexandria is proud to have helped over 5 million readers across the world put some culture in their kitchen. Alexandria, I'm so pumped to have you on the podcast today, so thank you for joining us. For those listening, I grew up with Alexandria across the street, so this is even more exciting (laughs) to have you on. You switch careers and everything, which we're going to get into later on, but I want to start with growing up. So what did you want to be when you were a kid? What did you want to grow up to be? Well, okay. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on your podcast. And I feel like this is so serendipitous because we did grow up as next door neighbors right across the street from each other. I watched you start your business and you watched me start my business. And now here we are in our new businesses talking to one another. (laughs) So it's really cool. And thank you so much for having me to talk on the podcast. Answer your question about what I wanted to be when I grew up. When I was a kid, I was a huge book nerd. I loved, loved, loved to read. And I loved to write too. So I was always writing like short stories or chapter books in my free time, especially over the summer. That was like what I did all summer was just like write stories. And so whenever and even my family would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I always told them I wanted to be very specifically a best-selling author, not just an author. My answer was always a best-selling author. Like Amazing. Eight-year-old. Yeah. Ambitious as an eight-year-old. Incredible. Truly. Truly. So that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. What were you more aligned in high school? Because I, I was in college, you were still in high school, but what was that transition into high school? And did you still have that same dream of wanting to be a best-selling author? Starting in high school, I didn't necessarily want to be an author anymore. Like I did still like to write, but I did more like journaling and that kind of stuff. I wasn't necessarily doing much creative writing after that. But my high school and college experience was very anxiety inducing for me (laughs) because I never really knew what I wanted to do. And I felt like everyone around me kind of knew exactly what they wanted to do. I was not someone that did. I knew I loved school. Like I said, I was a nerd. So I like liked doing homework. Like I loved going to class. I wasn't rebellious. So I like, I absolutely loved school. I knew I was excited for college, but I was worried about what I was going to study when I got there because I didn't really have a plan yet of what I wanted to do. That's so surprising to hear because I just remember like you always had some type of book, even just like seeing you go into cars, like growing up, like you always had something with you or you just like were always like the put together kid on the block, like I swear. So oh, thank you. I didn't know that you didn't know what you want to do in college. So you go to college. What did you ultimately decide on? And when did the life changing Europe trip come into play? That's a good question. So when I decided to go to college, I originally signed on as an English major because I knew I liked to read. That was something I could do in lots of classes. That was fine with me. So I signed up to be an English major, but like I didn't really know what I wanted to do with that. And then I'll walk you like briefly through my multiple mind changes. Of yeah, I feel like you have to. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I knew I want to read. Maybe I'll just do something English major. I'll figure out what to do with it after that. And so I decided to do, by my like, sophomore year of college, I was like, okay, maybe I want to go into the publishing field. So I went to New York 
I lived in Manhattan for the summer and I had two internships in the publishing field. And long story short, they were so enjoyable. I loved them so much. But at the end of my internship, one of the gals that I was interning under sat me down on my very last day. She bought me lunch. We had like a nice chat about the summer. And then she was like a couple years older than me. She wasn't the boss of the company, but she was like a overseer of me as an intern. She sat me down like person to person and was like, if you can do something else, don't do this. And I was like, <gasps> really? She was like, yeah, this is like not a great industry to be in. Like you have to live in Manhattan, but you're making below the poverty line in terms of income. And like, it's just really hard. You're not going to have the creative control that you think you're going to have. Like if you can be happy doing something else, don't do this. So I called my dad like sobbing on the streets of Manhattan. <laughs> I was supposed to be coming home like three days later. And I was like, I don't know what to do now. Like, this is so terrifying. And that like feeling of anxiety kind of persisted for the next couple of years of like, I know I have good skills. I'm a really good writer, but I don't really have anything that I know what to do with. The one thing that I thought I was really going to like, this gal told me like, I'm in it, don't do it. It's a mistake. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay. And so this consistent advice that I got from my dad all the time whenever I was like stressed out, sophomore, junior, senior year of college, like what the heck am I doing? I would always call him and he would say like, Alexandria, first of all, like you're a hard worker and you're talented and you're intelligent. So you can do anything that you set your mind to. But I have a feeling that whatever it is that you decide to do is something that you don't even know exists yet. Like you're looking at this so black and white, but there's like so many jobs out there and you have no idea that they exist. So like, work hard in school, graduate with your degree, try some internships along the way, which I continued to do and hated everything that I tried. <laughs> we love self-awareness. That's but, fine. But like eventually you'll find your place. So I graduated a semester early from college in 2017. The rest of my peers were graduating in 2018, the next semester. And so I decided to spend that semester backpacking Europe. So that's when the backpacking trip came into place. Well, first of all, how incredible that you had, like, not a boss, but someone to tell you, like, leave. I just envision her, like, shaking your yeah. shoulders, being like, don't be like me and get out. My cousin did the same thing because I went to Penn State and she's like, go out of state. Do not stay home for college. Go. I regret it. And I'm like, okay, fine. But it was life changing. So, and I didn't know your dad did that. We love Dwayne. That's awesome. He gets good advice for sure. Amazing. <laughs> Her dad's also the one that always snowplowed our court we lived on when the city wouldn't. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has that plow on the front of his truck and he just goes ham. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it being at the end of the court. So, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> of course, feel free to share. So, incredible. Of course, you graduated a semester early. So, you go to Europe. What went into planning it or what made you decide, hey, I'm going to go to Europe? Who'd you go with? Give me the deets on that. So, I knew I was going to finish college a semester early, but I, again, I had done an internship. So the internship in the publishing sphere, that was the summer after my sophomore year. The summer after my junior year, I was like, okay, I have this degree in like writing. I know I can do something like communications wise for a business. So if it's not going to be in the publishing field, I'll try something else. I went to this company called Stryker, who's a medical device company. And I did their like compliance team. They make like a lot of like the hospital beds and hospitals and stuff. I don't have like a sciencey brain, but I was working in the corporate office doing like trainings and compliance and all that stuff with my writing skills. And I wasn't really sure if I liked that very much. Like there was some things I liked about it, some things I didn't. 
And so I knew I was graduating college a semester early and I was like, okay, I haven't found anything that I love yet. And so I don't feel ready to jump into the professional workforce yet. I feel like I'm still like questioning what I want to do. And so I was just like feeling really nervous about going into the work field. And I've always wanted to travel. I'd never been to Europe before. And that was something like since I was 16 years old, my 16th birthday, I got this like big piggy bank. That's like one of those pop bottle piggy banks, you know? Oh, and yeah. I had printed gas money on it. And I had like taken a roll of duct tape and like covered up the word gas and wrote Europe when I was 16 because I had just like always wanted to travel Europe. So when I graduated college, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I'd always wanted to go to Europe and I never actually gotten to try it before. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I I worked for like two years before graduating, knowing that this was going to happen. I like worked two jobs all the time, saved up a ton of money. And then I ended up going for six months. The first three months I lived in Rome and got like a very Italian experience. And then the last three months I backpacked across the different countries and did a lot of exploring that way. Most of the three months of backpacking was alone too. So that was definitely a really fun and unique experience. It's interesting because I've been to Italy a few times and a lot of people always think like, oh, must be nice to afford it. But it's very reasonably priced. I mean, I didn't go to 15 countries like you did. But I mean, I think our nicest, like beautiful meal was like $15 with a bottle of wine and with everything. Like a lot of people don't realize. So those listening are like, oh, must be nice to travel for six months. It's very reasonably if you saving money and especially working two jobs, that's awesome. But yeah, it definitely depends on the way that you do it too, because I was not like traveling in luxury. I was like sleeping in hostels with 10 other people, taking like 10 hour overnight buses to save the $50 on a plane ride. Like I was really doing it very diligently so that that money that I had saved up could last me as long as humanly possible. I was like, budgeting for every $1 croissant that I bought for breakfast, one euro croissant. So there are ways that you can go and it can be expensive, but I did budget really hard to make it as long and like fun as an experience as possible. How was it living in these countries where you didn't speak the language? How was that barrier? Honestly, it actually wasn't that bad, mostly because a lot of the cities that I had chosen to go to in Europe, a lot of people speak English there, like the signs are in English and I didn't really find myself unable to communicate. If anything, we live in a, in a nice age now where you can use like Google Translate. And <laughs> if you really are struggling, you can like type in what you need to in English and then show it to them in their language and they can read it on your phone. So I didn't find it as hard in Europe. Since that trip, I have gone, for example, to South America and English is not as common in South America as it is in like the popular European cities. And so that has been a little bit harder in my travel since then in terms of like communication barrier and stuff. But that specific trip, it like wasn't really bad at all. That's amazing. Okay, so give us the whole story. So you're in Rome first for three months. So walk us through the rest of the trip. And when did the foreign fort come into fruition? So like I said, I did the three months in Rome. And then the second three months I did backpacking and I was backpacking alone. So I have always also like really loved to cook. And so I felt like because I was traveling alone, a really good way for me to learn about the country and meet people that were also traveling to the country while I was on this project was to take cooking classes or food tours in every country that I visited. And I just feel like food is just such a beautiful way to learn about a country. You can learn about the geography, the history, the religion, the people, customs, traditions, like 
you can learn so much about a country through its food. And so I had always just loved taking food tours or cooking classes in all of those countries because it gave me a really good introduction to like what the country was like. Plus, I got to meet other travelers while I was doing that. And so I was having so much fun on that trip. I just loved it so much. And I just found myself being like, this is like the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. Like I'm having a great time just like traveling and learning about food. And so when the six months was coming to an end, I knew that I was going to go home. I was going to start looking for a job. And I was like, well, I kind of want something that will allow me to continue doing this thing that I love while also like having to be a real life adult and like have a job and stuff. I can't keep traveling Europe forever. I'm going to come home. But I can still do the thing that I like from home, which is like learning about food of other countries. So I started The Foreign Fork after I got home from Europe, which was a blog where I decided I was going to cook a meal from every country in the world as a way to continue exploring the world through food while I had to be at home in Michigan and be like a real life person. <laughs> to be a real life person, she said. Yeah. I love that because I say that I'm like, I don't know, I'm not an adult. I'm just a kid here. So love that you say that too. So it started as a blog. And to mention, when we reconnected, she was top sales rep for where she worked. So not only did you get a job that you were kicking ass in of everyone else being so young in your career too. So give yourself some kudos on that. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to talk through, you get this job. I don't know if you went through the whole like, oh my God, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Like I feel like most recent graduates do, but working in a corporate job, how did that go? And then where you had this idea to take it? Yes. So I came on from Europe and I had the idea to start the blog and I had like started mulling over what the names would be and how it would be formatted and that kind of stuff. And so I had like started building it at the same time that I had started interviewing for full-time jobs. And so while I was interviewing for jobs, I was also building the blog and I ended up getting a sales job at the company that you had mentioned. And I actually coincidentally made me on August 22nd. That was my first day at my sales job. And it was also the day that my first blog post went live on my website. So it was the exact same day that everything began. And so I started working at this sales job and kind of like took off running with that. And I was working on that all day long during the day. And then I was also just like, I just felt like I needed to do something for me that would make me feel like happy and fulfilled outside of having a job. And so that's why I would work on the blog in the evenings. And when I was working at the company I was working at, like you had mentioned, I I didn't realize at the time that I was going to be good at sales, but apparently I was very <laughs> good at sales. And so I ended up being like one of the top hires in the country and the fastest promoted person in the history of the company. So that was really cool in terms of like levels of sales and stuff. So I was working really hard during the day. And then I was also coming home and working really hard on the blog at night. And at first it was I was just working on it as the passion project. But the more that I worked on it and the more that I learned about the blogging world, I started to learn how you could make money from blogging and how it could actually turn into a career. And there are people out there that were making like six, seven figures being bloggers, food bloggers specifically. That was something that I was learning about while I was also learning and growing in my day job. And so you asked if I ever like hated my job. I never really hated my sales job. I actually enjoyed it. And again, it's easy to like something that you are doing well in, you know? So that made it more enjoyable, I think. It was never like I hate sales so much that I need to like leave and do something else. 
it was just like, okay, sales is good. Sales is making me like a decent income that I can use the excess of that to invest in my blog project. And I just knew that while sales was nice, I really was like very passionate about my blog. Like I could have been happy being in sales for the rest of my life and it would have been fine. But when it came to like, what was my true love, I came home and like loved, loved, loved working on the blog every single night and every single weekend. So that's why I ultimately decided that the path I was going to pursue was to figure out how to take the blog full time. Now, this is where I feel, and you and I are very much alike because you know my story that mine was my nights and weekends side hustle too. And I preach this, so it's good to maybe get a different point of view on it. But what kept you motivated? Because it's not easy. I mean, you're exhausted being in a sales-focused job, me and recruiting. It was like, you know, you want to come home and not talk to people. And I'm an extrovert, but it's so draining. So how did you kind of keep that motivation to get this blog up and running and teaching yourself because a lot of people don't realize the amount of research you put into something. Blogs are incredibly difficult to monetize. So I give you so much credit for that too. But how did you keep motivated while working and just like dealing with people all day, every day? Actually, my fiance, he's working a side job right now. And he just came into my office today. He's like, how did you do this for two years? Like, (laughs) how did you go from working the one to trying to build a whole company for two years. I don't understand. He just asked me that this morning. I just feel like I have always been someone that knew to look at the long-term picture. I've always been someone that's been okay with like doing hard stuff now to reap benefits later. And so when it came to knowing that like sales was good and it was fine, but that like my true love was blogging and that there was like a lot of money to be made there too. That was like a viable career that could actually be really successful for me and could take care of me and a family and give me more control over my schedule, those kinds of things. I knew that if there was a way that I could make the blog work, ultimately happiness wise and like control over my life wise, that would ultimately be the better career for me. And so I just laser focused for like two years, knowing that like it would pay off in the end if I just kept going, if that makes sense. It does. Yes. And I'm sure it wasn't always easy. No, definitely not. I had to like kind of pull it out of me for a while, but it worked out. So see, for those listening that have come to other podcast episodes, I did not prompt her to say that, but it's true. I mean, it's, what you put into it and what do you envision your life to be? I mean, granted, with a few curveballs of a pandemic, and I know you moved and you've had a lot of exciting things happen to you personally, but it's like what you want to see your life to be. So I want you to talk about where you're at currently. This is just me from social media. Cookbook you have, you're killing it on TikTok. I mean, every time I creep on your profile, you got another like 10,000 followers from the week before when I was looking (laughs) at your videos. I want you to walk us through like, what is your current day-to-day with the foreign fork? Yes. So I worked the two jobs for a long time. And then in February of 2021, I was able to take the foreign fork full-time. So I'm no longer a sales rep. I was able to transition to the foreign fork being my full-time job. And so what that means is that I am creating and photographing recipes I've been putting them up on my website and I'll mention this just because this is like a question I get asked a lot. So I feel like a lot of your listeners might be wondering the way that this is a job is by display ads. So when people are reading through the blog posts that are on my website, they scroll past ads. And for everybody that sees an ad, 
that's how I make income. So I just wanted to throw that in there because a lot of people are like, how is this a job? I don't get it. But that's how you make income from it. So a lot of my time is focused on creating blog posts and then also optimizing those blog posts so that when people are online Googling a recipe, mine will be the first one that comes up over all the other ones on the internet so that they'll click on mine, scroll through mine, make it, sit there, the ads will be playing in the background, they make a delicious recipe, and then I make income from them being on my page making that recipe. So a lot of my days are focused on cooking and photographing. And then I have a team now that helps me. So I don't personally write the articles anymore or like schedule my social media posts, but I am like the content creator that's behind all of it, that's creating the recipes, doing the photos and the videos, talking on my stories about sharing fun facts about the country so that people can learn about it. And then I do have a couple of like team members that help run some other stuff on the back end. Well, happy two years because you said February 21. We're in February 23, oh. so two years. Wait, that's kind of crazy. Thank you. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I know I'm coming up on four years and I'm like, I don't know why. It's just mind boggling when you, I've been employed by myself longer than I worked any other job. So you're coming up to that too, which is awesome. But, Congratulations. That's so exciting. Well, happy two years. That is exciting for you. Thank you. And also didn't realize you have a whole team in place because incredible. But as a business owner and as you're consistently getting innovative with it. I mean, what are some things that as the day-to-day, like you are someone and I want to say you shared this or maybe I just creeped because I've been following you on TikTok for so long, but I feel like you very much are, hey, this is what I did in my videos before and this is what's making it perform better. I don't know if maybe that's just me seeing your content on that, but how do you consistently stay up to date, stay innovative, consistently generating revenue, making sure you're up to date with the cool kids, we'll just say. Okay, that's a good question. I'm always doing a lot of continued like education. So there are different courses that you can take from bloggers. I'm going to a conference next week to talk about new things. I'm also in a mastermind group. So there's a maybe a group of like 10 bloggers that we all meet every two weeks and talk about what's working best for us. And I just feel like the blogging community is very, very helpful and welcoming at least food blogging from what I've experienced, everyone is so willing to share what's working for them so that other people can try it. And so it's just a lot of talking to people, trial and error based on those conversations, continuing to do the things that are working and knowing that not everything is going to work and that's okay. Like sometimes I'll experiment with some things on TikTok that I think are going to be awesome and it gets like one fifth of the views of like the thing that I had already been trying. And that's just like part of the process is knowing that those videos are going to like look like they tank for a couple of weeks while I try out that strategy. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that's okay. I have to be fine with that. And then I'll try something else too. It's so true. And TikTok's a whole other beast of things. Any social media, honestly. The Wild West over there. Oh my gosh. I know. I did a boot camp and it was great. And I still am like, I don't know what I'm doing, but Some of them do really well that I was like, oh, this is just a stupid story. I don't think anyone cares. And that's the one that goes well viral for me. Always the one. Always the one that you like think is not going to do anything good. You're like, whatever. I just will film this super fast. That's always the one. Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you're at the same. And you have quadruple the probably more than that with followers. But that's awesome. Now, what do you have in store for this year? What things are you kind of cooking up here with the future of the foreign fork? That was a great pun. I didn't even mean to do that, but go ahead. <laughs> Cooking up. Look at you. Yeah. Last year, I did a lot of experimentation and figuring out like 
how I wanted to approach the content that's on my website and also on my social channels and kind of put like a system in place to get me not feeling so like frazzled all the time trying to do everything. I like really last year at the end of the year figured out a way for me to like be a little bit more consistent, have a little bit more of a schedule and like know exactly how I want to go about on a weekly basis running my business in a very consistent way so that people know what to expect from me. And in doing that, I also was able to grow my viewership a lot as well. And so this year, I haven't specifically planned any like huge overhauls or like massive goals of things I want to do. I just want to continue to refine that process and ride the wave that I'm riding right now because there was a time where I feel like blogging is kind of like a roller coaster. You go up and then you go down, your viewership goes up and then down a little bit and then you plateau and then you have to find a new way to make it go up. And so right now I'm riding the like up wave and using like the strategies that I implemented last year. And so my goal for this year is to continue riding that wave and like refining those systems that I had put into place. So I don't think that's a very exciting answer. No, it's needed. I'm telling you, we just did our processes and procedures last like Q4 of 22 and do them now because I hated doing it. So good that you're doing this now because as someone who did it too late, not too late, but I hate doing it. But yeah, and having the extra hands has really helped as well. Like now I sit down, I'm like, how the heck was I doing every single part of this business while also doing a full-time job. And I think I was insane. I don't know how I did that because now I am i don't have the full-time job. I've offloaded a lot of the daily duties of things to like employees that are helping me with that. And I still feel overwhelmed. Like I still feel like there's too many things to do in a day. And so I don't know how I did it before, but having those like processes in place has made it a lot more manageable. Yeah, I remember I have like a formal CRM now or customer management system for those of you that don't know what a CRM is. But I used to operate off a Google sheet for like all customers and clients. And then looking at, I take 20 some meetings a day and write resume. I mean, I was working 15, 16 hours, but I say that all the time. I'm like, how did I do this without any support? So I get it. Something else I do want to touch on too here. I hear this from business owners all the time, especially starting out or even like the old timey ones too. Well, I don't need to hire. I can handle it myself. So what made you make that decision? Like, hey, I need help or hey, I want to grow this there. Like what made you decide, hey, I need people to get this going? I think it started with... So another side of my business, I didn't touch on this before, but another side of my business is that I will do recipe development and food photography for brands. Also, like for somebody that needs like an ingredient that they have on the grocery store shelf and they want to post about how you can use that ingredient. They'll ask me to make up a recipe, um, take some photos or video with it. And so um, it got to a point where I was so inundated with all of the daily like menial tasks of my business, things that didn't need my like sprinkle of expertise. Like I don't want anyone to take my photos because my photography style is different than someone else's photography style. And while they're both beautiful, I know what mine looks like and I want that to have my touch. There are other things that don't need to have my touch on them that are just menial tasks. And they were things that were taking up so much of my time. For example, after writing a blog post, going in and scheduling it and putting all of the photos and and putting the recipe into the recipe card, like all of that stuff had already been created by me. The article had been created by me. The recipe had been created by me. The photos had been created by me. But then putting that into 
the actual website, like the part that doesn't really need my expertise, that was taking me like an hour and a half to do. And I felt like so much time was going to something that didn't need my touch on it. And so when I started getting requests from clients to do work for them that I knew would make me income, but I couldn't do it because I was busy doing non-income generating tasks that didn't need my expertise. That's when I knew it was time to hire out. And it was scary because when I hired my first employee, I didn't necessarily off the bat have that excess income that was needed to like pay for their time. But I knew that by like giving them X amount of hours of work that was off of my plate, I could fill that by doing projects for clients or doing more work for myself that would result in like far more income than what I would be giving up in hiring someone. And so that's when I kind of figured out that that would be the right time to hire someone. So I did that once and then everything was going great. And then it started getting overwhelming again and I had to start turning down clients again. I was like, okay, now this is a time where I can offshore 20 hours a month and I can use those 20 hours to do projects that will actually generate income and I'm going to hire someone else to do another task, take that off my plate. So that's how it kind of started. It's so true because you can let go of, I mean, for me, it was emails or like you said, editing or just like things that don't need your touch. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to hire someone else to do my career coaching expertise at this time. It's, I forgot who told me this, but it's like, you as the business owner should be doing revenue generating activities. You should not be involved in the day to day. So you taking pictures or building rapport with clients that want to work with you because they love you. That's where so many business owners go wrong. And I'm so passionate about this topic, but that will never not be scary. I remember sitting down with Destiny was my first employee and that we signed the paperwork and I'm like, hope I can pay her. Like, this is scary. And that never goes away. I mean, I was at a conference or speaking at one of my co-speakers there. He's like, oh, you haven't been a business owner until you've put your payroll on your credit card or just like not taken a paycheck or something. So it's always fascinating there, but amazing. Okay. So if people want to work with you, obviously I'll include all of your links, your TikTok, your website and everything there. So are you taking on additional clients for like the photography end of you or where if listeners want to be involved, where can they find you? Can they work with you? Talk to me on that. Yes. So I am taking on clients. So if someone out there just so happens to be another food blogger or working for a food brand, you need recipe development or food photography, you can definitely reach out to me. I will give my Instagram in a second. Everybody else that's listening, even if you are not looking for food photography or recipe development, if you just want to figure out how to make some food from different countries, if you want to put you know, some new dishes in your weekly rotation, then you could check out my blog. It's www.foreignfork.com. So foreign, like a foreign country and fork like you eat with. It's foreignfork.com. And you can find me on Instagram or TikTok at The Foreign Fork. I'm also on YouTube at The Foreign Fork. And if you have any questions, if you want to work with me, you can DM me on any of those platforms. And I also have my brand new cookbook that I just came out with at the very end of last year. It's linked on all of those platforms. So if you go to any of those platforms, there will be a link in the bio there that will take you to purchase my cookbook. Or you can look at my blog too. They're both linked in the bios. Thank you. And my last question, I like to wrap up with Alexandria. What advice do you have for listeners? I think my best advice for listeners is something that we touched on a little bit in this talk, which is just do now what your future self will thank you for. So the work right now might be tiring and exhausting, but always think now of what 
you two, three, five years will be grateful that you did. And I think it will make your life a lot happier in the long run. A couple of years of working really hard now is worth the decades of having set yourself up for success in the future. That is so incredible. You are just so incredible. I cannot say how proud I am of you and just like how you just continue to kick ass. But thank you. You're so sweet. And it's reciprocal too. It's been so fun watching you grow your business. And I've been so proud to see all the things that you've done with it too. And so it's really cool that we get to watch each other do this. I love it. It is. I'm like, remember when we were running around at like 10 years old in elementary school? They looked <laughs> at us, but amazing. So for those of you listening, head to Alexandria's TikTok. It's so fascinating and she does such a great job. Thank you for listening to another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.